Hey everyone, in this episode of History Unloaded with Danny and Ashley, we're going to talk about a serious subject. Why so serious? Why so serious? <laughs> uh, what is the subject, Danny? The most illegal museum in the United States. Is us. I feel weird saying that. Actually, I don't know if we're the most illegal, but we are a somewhat illegal museum in the United States. Okay, so as we say that and people are like dialing the police to like send people in to raid us, quickly explain what you actually mean by that. Right. So we we abide by all federal and state firearms laws. So like our collection, we're in Wyoming, which um, is a very non-restrictive firearms law state. Um, and like I said, we comply with all federal laws. We comply with state laws. And we, you know, we have an extensive firearms collection that is falls under that. So um, when I say we are the most illegal, what I'm actually, I'm sort of referencing like in the movies and TV when somebody like has something to say, like, this is banned in like 17 states or something like that. It's usually like a gag, at least in my mind it is. Maybe I'm way off base. But the CFM, because of our large firearms collection ha does have stuff that is restricted in some U.S. states. So by my count, the last time I looked, I think we, like if you teleported our museum just like into all 50 states and all the territories and like didn't bother to do any of the registration or anything like that, um, we'd end up having stuff that was contraband in those in like 13 of those states. Uh, and I don't think we'd have be allowed to be in any u.s territory as i understand the law so some of those states would have provisions for us to register certain things that would be problematic but then some states just have blanket bans on you know magazine capacity uh, and stuff like that that would make us you know a foul of the law and it's not just you know we when we talk about like stuff what like did you just say a foul yeah a foul oh i don't think i know that word like f o U L a foul. Like, oh, a foul. I thought a foul. And I was like, that's a new word for me. It's just a bird. Anyway. A bird is in my office. Um, <laughs> so when, when I say stuff like magazine capacity, people often think, well, okay, he's talking about like you, you guys have some AR 15 magazines that have been restricted. And so that would be the problem. And that's actually true. We do have some of those that would be, you know, restricted in some States, but we also have stuff like is an Ackley's drum for a Gatling gun. You know, some states at the federal level, there are certain provisions that don't regard antiques as firearms, but some states do regard them. And often states with magazine capacity restrictions don't distinguish between modern and antique magazines. So is a magazine that is antique at the federal level, it, it gets really complicated. So stuff like the Ackley's drum could be uh, a problem stuff like the Sabo magazine on our Winchester 1903 could be a problem. And then there's of course states that wholesale restrict any possession of NFA items. So by those standards, we are a problematic museum. It's true. Um, you know, I think that was, I think you explained it. Yeah. So like to be clear, we're not actually illegal and we're right. not illegal in the state of Wyoming. But, you know, if you were to teleport our museum into other states, you know, there are laws and restrictions that we'd have to abide by that would result in the loss of 
collection items, um, the, the surrender of collection items to be destroyed. And um, this is something that I've talked about a lot over the years. It's about as political as I get, I guess. I always tell people, like, this is what I'm going to beat my, my drum just because, you know, it's one of those things that I don't think that history should, you know, have to abide by those laws. And when I say history, I mean like fully functional museums that can provide security, safety for those collection items. We shouldn't have to lose part of that history um, because of a civilian-wide, you know, ban or restriction. And I'm not saying, you know, that that means that museums should be above, you know, the law. But at the same time, when you look at other countries that have highly restrictive civilian gun laws, they the, some of those countries, like England, we always point to England, you know, they have highly restrictive civilian gun laws, but the museums in and of itself, if they are accredited, there's an accreditation process that they um, define in their laws. But if you are a museum legally within England, you can, you basically get like a free pass. All you have to do is like write a letter being like, this is historically significant and you get to keep it in the collection. And so, um, you know, like for example, um, this is a this is a true story. When the bump stock ban came into effect in, in the U.S., um, you know, so civilians so had to surrender their bump stocks. We, as a non-government museum, cannot legally own a bump stock. So, someone I know that had a bump stock um, pre-ban sent their bump stock to England, a museum in England, to be in the collection because they couldn't send it anywhere in the U.S. And it's it's kind of crazy and. Um... You know, we always get, well, and a lot of people give us this line, well, you're a museum, like, obviously, like, you're fine. And and the attitude in the museum field for a long time has been like, well, we're a museum, nobody's going to come after us. Um, because I say, you know, we're a prominent firearms collection, but most museums in the United States have firearms in their collections, like whether they're art museums or whatever. I have, I have yet to go to a museum. Um, there's it didn't have some kind of firearm or firearms-related piece, right? Um, it, it's it really is astonishing, like the percentage of museums with firearms. But um, the field has operated like we are exempt, but we are not. Like, there's one state law. I think it's Minnesota mentions museums in their firearm statute, but it's not necessarily a blanket exemption. And that's one state out of fifty. And museums are not mentioned at the federal level. The only reason certain federal museums are exempted is because they are government entities. So like they get exempted not as museums, but as government agencies. Um, and so then people say, you know, stuff like, well, you could, you know, disable them or you could. The only way certain things are not firearms in U.S. law is if they are destroyed. Like I can't just take the firing pin out of a machine gun and be kosher. Like that's not how it works. Um, you, you know, so there's there's these. And a lot of people think that, you know, those types of things are acceptable. Um, you know, I mean, how yeah. many times, um, so uh, just real quick, because I'm going to say somebody's name and nobody's going to know what I'm talking about. We actually have a full-time person who's dedicated to our FFLs. Mm -hmm. um, so like, you know, we know a lot about this, but we're certainly not the experts on it. You know, right. we go to her for all the actual, like, you know, rulings and decisions and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, the, the one thing that was understood for a while in the museum world was that if you dewatted or demilled the NFA item that it was allowed to be like an unregistered NFA item, then you could have it. But according to Liz, our FFL person, like there's not really like that definition has changed over the years. So like mm -hmm. you could have something in your collection that's an unregistered NFA item that's been demilled 
per like, you know, 50 years ago. And that, and people think that that's legal, but it's not always, it's not usually. Well, and we have to get into like the concepts of like what is damaging to an artifact and what is legally like demilling. Cause you're right. There were older standards and there are now like registered DWATs um, is like a weird class of NFA things. But um, you know, the current standard of like by the ATF is like, is um, torch cut. You have to torch cut the receiver in two places, I think. Um, I thought it was three, but who knows? I think you have to end up with three pieces or maybe you have to cut it in three places. Oh, it's something. Yeah. yeah. There's some number you have to, you have to like take a torch to it and cut it a number of times. That is basically unusable. Um, so there's that, which everybody would agree is the destruction of an artifact. Like, at that point, you are destroying an artifact. There so are other I, standards. I challenge to, that, Danny, because you said everyone would agree, agree is destruction to an artifact. When you lay it out like that, for sure, everyone would agree with that. But I can't tell you how often I hear museum professionals be like, oh, well, we just have to do this. Right. And that's what I was sort of getting at, because there's other levels yeah. of like, um, you get people that say, well, we could plug the barrel or we could take the firing pins out. And to me, it's sort of a scale of, destruction like firing pin taking the firing pin out is probably not destructive i think it's a waste of time and risks damage to an artifact but i wouldn't call that act necessarily destructive however stuff like um making the gun inoperable like plugging the barrel or um welding the bolt in place like that is destruction like you lose the history historical value of the artifact when you start to do that level of stuff. And then there's, of course, the total destruction, which would be, you know, a torch cut um, receiver. And we do hear from museum people like, um, well, we just have to do this or we could, you know, make it so it's inoperable. Or there's, um, you know, there's the going back to the whole museums aren't exempted, exempted. I've been in collections where people just had NFA items that were not registered, disassembled. Like that was somehow okay like there is still a piece in that disassembled pile that is an nfa item just because you have the the you know the the flash hider off or something like that doesn't make it you know any less an nfa yeah. item you know maybe that flash hider in it but there's still one that is um not yeah. kosher there so well, it's, it's just interesting to me because there's like a, a, almost a double standard for firearms in terms of being you know, a collection item because museum professionals are trained to not harm artifacts. And then they're so willing to just harm firearm yeah. as an artifact, um, right. you know, and, and then they're like, well, what's the problem? Um, yeah. You know, and I always it's, find that really, really interesting. That's a really, that's a really good point um, that we are trained, like coming through grad school, we're trained to like preservation is utmost. And I've, you know, and there's like debates on whether you can use certain artifacts, you know, I was once part of a discussion where um, the collection had this really gorgeous violin that was in wonderful condition. And like the discussion is, would we ever allow like a musician to play this? You know, it's in, it's in playable shape. It's like, it's in good condition. Like we could feasibly maybe do that. Um, and everybody was like instantly like, no, that that's, that's using, that's, that's not, that's not okay. Um, and of course we take the issue with firearms that we shouldn't, um, we don't shoot the guns in the collection because we don't want to risk damage to them. Um, but then as soon as the topic comes up, you're right. Like, well, we have to, we have to do something damaging to this artifact uh, because it's a gun and it doesn't really get that same respect. Like we wouldn't go take 
a steel, you know, we wouldn't take steel wool to the outside of a pottery shard. Um, but that's tantamount to what some people are considering for firearms. Yeah. So I guess, you know, in the last like, you know, 10 minutes of this podcast, uh, we should talk about what we think should happen. Um, because it's, it's equally as complicated. So like, we're not right. saying that like, you know, that the solution is, is, is an easy thing. I mean, if the solution were easy, somebody might've done it years ago. Um, so what they've got in England, um, for, and I looked into it, um, a lot of legalese, um, Jonathan uh, Ferguson from Royal Army sent me a bunch of stuff, um, on it not too, not too long ago. But, um, so in England, basically, you know, there's an accreditation process or accreditation or something. They spell it funny, I think. Um, sorry. Really say it funny. I don't think so. I'm not done looking at it. <laughs> Um, so they have an accreditation process and I don't know the specifics of their accreditation process, but if a museum is considered accredited, then basically there's a firearms museum license and then they can go through the process of, you know, saying, Hey, this is historically significant. And from what I understand from Jonathan, nobody really challenges that, you know, like if you right. say it's significant, like the government's like, okay. Um, you know, so we've talked about the possibility of, and I know that like, um, some, super strong gun pro-gun purists don't like this option but it seems like the easiest and most viable route for us um would be you know, you've got so many different distinctions of federal firearms licenses adding a museum license do you want to kind of take it from there danny and talk about some yeah. of the opportunities but then also the problems with that kind of thing right because so there's there's a couple of potential solutions like we could just hope that there would be legislation that said, all right, museums are exempt from federal firearms rules or something like that. Um, but then you really quickly run into the problem. Um, and we've spent some time thinking about this and talking about this. So this isn't just like our off the cuff. Answer. And we've talked to politicians about it. Yeah, and, you know, I've actually had shock from a lot of Democrat um, politicians in their offices, senators and Congress people, because um, when I was in D.C. last year with the D.C. project, um, I met with Democrat um, senators and congressmen and women, as well as Republicans. And we were talking about, um, oh, it wasn't red flag laws. We were talking about Oh gosh, it's totally escaped me. But whatever it was, it, it would affect you know the museum collection. And I was like, hey, you just need to be mindful of this. And I remember um, it was the Democrat from West Virginia was like, what, you know? And like yeah. they were like, we had no idea that museums were affected, and they like were writing it down and stuff. So I mean, this is one of those things that when I discussed it to actual senators and Congress people and their aides on both sides of the aisle, they were kind of shocked, and mm -hmm. it was a very bipartisan attitude that that shouldn't be that way yeah and, and and so you get into like what are the possibilities and one of them is of course saying well museums are exempt um but then you run into how do you classify what is a museum and just a really large personal collection you know because then um anybody could say well i'm a museum and yeah. i can own whatever i want um, which is probably, you know, that might appeal to some of our listeners, but is probably not a politically feasible solution. Um, so then we start thinking, well, you know, how do we classify museum? What could we do? And, and sort of exploring the options, I think probably having a museum category for the federal firearms licensing system would be the most workable solution. Um, maybe not purely the best, but I think maybe the most workable and, it's 
it's one of those things where then you could say, if you have this FFL, then you can collect pretty much whatever, or you can register previously unregistered NFA items, because that's a big one. That, whether we like to admit it or not, there's a ton of unregistered NFA things sitting in museums and sitting in people's closets because granddad brought it back and didn't tell anybody. And yeah. um, when the ATF hears about it, they might get wind of it. The official line is that has to be surrendered. What I think mostly happens is it just goes back into the closet. Um, and I think if you had a museum FFL that could deal with these things, then everybody's happy because the family gets to know it's preserved with the story. The ATF gets to know where it is, uh, which is what they really want. They don't run, they don't necessarily want to destroy it or even keep it. They just want to know where it is. Um, but there's no provision yeah. to register those things. So you, it, I think having a museum FFL opens up a lot of possibilities where then um, we wouldn't have to worry about some of those some of those other issues. I think we'd still have to worry about various state um, legal conflicts, but uh, that would open up, I think, the biggest door for us. Well, and, um, you know, the the super hardcore pro-gun guy, you know, response to the, that I've heard, uh, response to the firearms museum licenses, the second that you classify it, they can take it away. Um, you know, but I, I, I really... I, like I get that, but at the same time, it's you know it's been it's been one of those things that's so shockingly bipartisan to me um, that I feel like you know there's really some potential there. Um, and then the other thing um, in in classifying a museum that we've discussed is the the possibility of accreditation, like they have in the Royal Armories. The problem is is that the current you know accreditation process in the museum world is actually not a government one; it's a um, American Alliance of Museums accreditation process, which is considered right. the gold standard, which the museum has. The Cody Firearms Museum has, but only 5% of all museums in the country are considered accredited. So that, you know, it's the same problem as like, so we didn't mention this so far in this video, but if you are a government museum, you are pretty much exempted from gun laws. You can have unregistered NFA, all that stuff. The problem is there's a finite number of those museums, not all of their collecting, collecting missions are firearms. And so what happens is, is they get inundated and then they don't need anything else, you know? Um, and so then stuff ends up getting destroyed. So if you, you know, so you've got, you know, government museums, and then if you add the accredited museums, it's only 5% more, you know, so you're going to easily run into the same issue. Um, and the problem with that is that right now, generally they have to form 10, that stuff to those institutions. Yeah. And that means that thing can never go anywhere else. Like, Exactly. It can't be loaned it, to us. It can't be loaned out to other museums. It can't be, uh, it just, it goes in there. It is forever there until it is, as, as I understand it, the Form 10 is actually like registering it sort for of destruction. In, yeah, for destruction. And the agency that registers it is allowed to keep it for an indefinite period of time until they destroy yeah. it. So a Form 10 is really like, it's sort of the last hope option for some of these stuff for some of these things that show up, um, you know, that are clearly historical, but it's, it's not a good option. It's just the only one available sometimes. Yeah. And, and I do want to say, cause I, and I'm going to get flack for this, but I do want to say that the ATF current people's, you know, individuals within the ATF has actually really tried to work with us on this. Yeah. We've, we've talked to them a bunch. We've talked to them um, individuals. We've talked to the NFA branch, we've talked to the branch. We've talked to, yeah, a lot of people and they've all wanted to help. They've all expressed, you know, a desire to help. Um, but in some ways their hands are tied too, because at some point changing some of the rules around firearms do take 
legislation. Um, there are certain things they can do. Um, but at the same time, we're also museums are not a big segment of the population they're tasked with overseeing. So, um, we just, we're not, we're not high on the priority list for anybody really. Well, and, and, you know, it's one of those things that, um, depending on what the political state of things are in terms of, um, public attitudes towards firearms, it impacts whether or not people want to put their neck out for a museum. Um, you know, because it can, because it automatically, when you do something like that, it gets spun politically, no matter how, you know, you want to to do it. And, you know, then there are opinions. And so then people, it's just a really complicated situation. Um, But I mean, we have, like I said, I mean, the positive thing is that we're, you know, the first thing to do is talk about it. Um, you know, tell people about it, uh, you know, talk to your politicians about it. Um, if it be- because the, the one thing that I've noticed over the years is the lack of awareness because we're like the last thing that people think of. So talk about it, let people know that this is a thing and we got to figure out a solution for it. And, you know, we're not, you know, entering into the political realm. We're just trying to say, Hey, we, you know, want to preserve these things, but we are limited in, in our ability to do that. And other countries, you know, like England are capable of collecting things like this. So there, there is a way around it. And so I think talking about it's really important. And then, you know, we've been trying to communicate with the ATF, with, you know, our local politicians our you know, and, and federal politicians and fingers crossed at some point, you know, it'll be something that can go through and, and I'm sure like everything that goes through that won't be perfect, <laughs> Right. Yeah. but you know, but hopefully it'll be better than, than where we're at. So and I think that's uh, our sad story for yeah. today's episode. The mood, the mood is bleak. For I want to hear before we sign off, I want to hear what Camila thinks. As a non-gun person, you know, that now is kind of a gun person. Well, you're not actually a gun person, but you hang out with us a bunch. Well, I like you guys. Thank you. We like you. Um, you know, I'm surprised. I didn't realize that. I definitely thought in the back of my head that, like, museums were exempt to most of the rules, even, like, a firearms collection. I didn't, like, I, you know, I don't know. In my head, it was like, oh, that's just something completely different so it's not going to be the federal like gun laws aren't going to apply to it so it's surprising for me yeah and i think it's it's surprising for a lot of people and i think especially museum people like they're surprised to learn that they aren't and then when they do they sort of clam up about because that's been my experience in the museum field is like okay so we have this this item that might not be legal we're just going to stick it in a back corner and pretend we don't like that's that's the attitude um, which is unfortunate. Yeah, it's not a great moment when you're doing a, when I do workshops and stuff and I go over the like basic gun laws in the rooms like, er, you know, like, I also, it's always like the reason I think I framed the, the opening of the podcast the way I did is I always get a kick out of the fact like you hear about really controversial like art exhibitions and like stuff like this and like really edgy stuff. I don't know that those are ever actually like illegal to do where they are. And so I just kind of sit back and I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to sound too smug about it, but it's like, oh, that's controversial. I'm not out, even allowed in that state with my collection. Like, I don't know. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the note to end it on. <laughs> so, well, we hope you guys I, enjoyed We hope this has been interesting. I think it's interesting. I think it is. It's fascinating. I would love to see some change. I don't know that we will, but...
Danny, don't be sad. We will see change. We will. We will see change. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. We'll have a nicer topic next time. It's like maybe a little more upbeat. Yeah. See ya. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Mm-hmm.